GMs. Have you ever felt like banishing a player to the Astral Sea for insisting your rule interpretation was bogus? Elves, tired of your meditation being disrupted by your party member snoring? Then this is the podcast for you. Where we take a hard look at the rules of the game, the reality of the table, and the role of the dice to solve D&D's most heated arguments. This is Raw and Order. the apostrophe can i can i thank you can i just have a pet peeve of mine yeah when people when when a proper noun ends in s and people want to make it possessive and just put an apostrophe i understand it's common but it drives me fucking crazy because it does not mean what they think it means charles is is not plural it's not one charles no hi my name is charles possessive it's the only time it's appropriate to put it on the other plural possessive guys Okay, so you can't just. It drives like, me. I know. I. It's. I, you yeah. say you don't say Charles. You say Charles's, and you put it's Charles, which ends in an S apostrophe mm-hmm. S. apostrophe S. Yes. I don't know why I'm so angry at Charles today. But... <laughs> well, I'll tell you why. World world's angry at Charles today. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. Oh, of course. Okay, shall we? Um. <clears throat> um Wait, what is the British national anthem? God save the God save king? the queen. Well, oh, it I guess it has to be the... the king now. Oh, does does oh everything changes? Like everything changes. Yeah. Or are we sure that that that's just the name of the song? Isn't just God save the queen? No, I'm pretty sure they have to like change the national anthem. I went to D.C. for my birthday last weekend, and we were in the National Portrait Gallery, hmm. and I heard these like so wait save okay. little little like little like gen zers or whatever talking to each other and the guy was like they got to change the money they got to change the national anthem everything changes and i was like oh my god (laughs) it does i I mean um i i feel like we need to begin this episode with a royal tribute to the queen should we just speak in british accents oh my god let's all right let's talk like this yeah, you be from the terrible part of London, and I'll be from the posh side. <laughs> You'll be the one eating Nando's, take out eating every Nando's, night. Eating Nando's, eating Nando's. From Liverpool. Yeah. Um, uh, I'll be the one that has high tea and little finger sandwiches. <laughs> right, right. Little cucumber finger sandwiches. Little, little cucumber. Just finger your sandwiches. I've got finger my sandwiches. <laughs> no, oh no. What have we done? <laughs> It had to, it had to get gross before we would stop. That's the only thing that stops us. And not even then. (laughs) Not even then. (laughs) Not even then. I don't know where this episode is beginning and ending, honestly. We haven't started yet. Are we We doing it? We still haven't started. No, we have to officially start. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? All of this is good stuff that you're just not going to use. How about I'll fade us in? I'll fade us in talking about this. And I'm keeping all this in. Yes. I'm gonna fade us in talking about this. Yeah. And then and then and then I'll just keep this in. Hi everyone. Welcome. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh hello. Governor. Hello all. Hello. One and all. <laughs> oh, is this welcome, a- welcome. <laughs> what, is what is that voice? Welcome to the Olympics, eh? <laughs> that's just like that's just like like a Chicago <laughs> accent. What? Welcome you did to- all that. <laughs> Where are you headed to? Hogwarts. <laughs> I like how everything is just screamed and uh, Hogwarts. Hogwarts. Everyone, yes, it's me and Julia Childs. We are here. Um. Uh. How. <laughs> Well, it's just Julia Child. Julia Children. Julia, Julia's Children. Julia's Children. <gasps> that's that's great. Julia's that's a that should be a band. 
and they just eat food while they play and they're just like chopping onions and like <laughs> well, onions. a bird or whatever she does but, I don't, I don't but onions know. will make them Cooking cry they okay everyone let's we need to rein it in this has gone way 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 the queen <laughs> dies and suddenly we're all just out we're of this nuts it's yeah. everything's out of order in disarray oh, i remember we texted each other when this happened mm-hmm. when queen elizabeth ii passed and we were like in a meeting together yeah and then i was like, you were um, like oh my god this is more important than the meeting <laughs> the queen passed <laughs> listen yeah. william is that much closer that's the, the prince william right is he mm-hmm. no mm-hmm. Or is he's it, the older one he's the older one and then who's yeah. the younger right one? now it's charles and then it'll be william and his younger brother harry harry that's who harry's like way far removed though because william yeah harry's not kids. even yeah harry's not even on that he yeah. harry would have to murder all of his nieces and nephews first or nephews. I don't know if he has nieces. Oh, wow. Okay. So you're just describing the uh, British monarchy history is what you're doing. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, history of the British monarchs. Yeah. Don't be careful, guys. I mean, hey, you, you dun, dun, dun. chose this for yourself. But she, Queen Elizabeth II has passed. Mm-hmm. We have mm-hmm. now King Charles II. And the world mm-hmm. is in mourning, I guess. The, the world? <laughs> not the world the world. no there's a lot of people who don't care there was this an onion good. article titled like iowa woman <laughs> like wishes the queen well in her afterlife or something strange like that and i was like that's not even far that's like, like perfect why are why are women in iowa like mourning <laughs> the loss of yeah. the queen but, i mean it's interesting okay. i wonder what it's like to have a ruler that most of the country likes that would be an interest. That would be a novel experience in America. I feel mm-hmm. like the majority of the country, like like a, like a large, generally majority. positive opinion right. about. Yeah, that'd be that'd be nuts. Uh, but that's a level of fantasy not even D and D can 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 create. So, um, uh, well, how are you? Uh, it's okay. It's been a while. It a has while. been a while, and like so many things have happened. Okay, like, can, so do, do you things. want to talk about them? Anna, you've had at least three significant life changes three i can only think of two what was the third so okay one is that unfortunately joe and i will no longer be working in the mm. same place exactly because you got I a am, new job i got a new job i'm just transitioning in my own office to a different yeah. division but i'm really excited about it <laughs> it's awesome well, i so you you've all met louis he was actually on the last episode so yes. i'm gonna go work in his division now so that yeah. would be awesome very exciting super exciting. um yeah and i think we're gonna have down the road hopefully we'll have tim howe um who is another mm. person in our office that has an interest in D and i think would make a wonderful guest on our pod and He's also in my new division. So come the end of September, I will be transitioning over into that new role. And so that'll be exciting. Well, and I am of course devastated, but equally also very happy for you. So congratulations. But even bigger than that. Even bigger than that, you guys. (gasps) Yay! Yay! Engagement, engagement, Indian wedding. Indian wedding. Uh, you have been in a flurry finding yes. ve- finding venue. Oh, Venny. do you want to oh, tell them the I one do. story? I do. I do want to tell, tell the that children one story that one and story. just like have our listening public be as enraged as I was. So my fiance, my affianced oh. and I, we went to check out uh, a venue and it was a little bit in the middle of nowhere. So I already had some reservations, yeah, let's say. Yeah. yeah. And um, we're doing like a hybrid, like Indian Western wedding, you know? And so I asked the guy. Oh, so Indian, but then also cowboys. Yes, exactly. So this venue would have been perfect because it definitely had a bunch (laughs) of dead carcasses of animals hanging off of the walls and you weren't allowed to take them down for your wedding. (laughs) They specifically were like, yeah, these have to stay up. So I was like, okay, I guess I could hang like marigold garlands off the antlers. I don't know. Anyway, um, so I asked the guy if he has ever <laughs> thrown an Indian wedding at that venue mm-hmm. and he pauses and he looks at me and he thinks about it and he goes, you know, I don't think so. I think we've only thrown normal weddings. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So fuck that guy. <laughs> oh, normal weddings. What the fuck? Uh, yeah. Oh, Iowa. Uh, 
I really though. Yeah. Really? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why I was like why are you having it here? Why are you having it here? What's the reason? We're here. Because <laughs> it's cheaper? Yeah. Okay. My other options are like Toronto, where everything is crazy expensive. Oh, but I would love to go. Or, but it's in Canadian, so it's cheaper. I know. Canadian no, dollars. No, but it's not, though. <laughs> That's a little bit cheaper. But also, like, then I, I want to be able to, like, go to the venue, like, a thousand times. <laughs> sure. And you know? check it out. And, yeah, obsess. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So, you're we're, this is planning out in advance for a while what is the one singular sort of tradition from the indian weddings that are in your family or your culture that you are most excited to to do at this like you know are you going to lift mm-hmm. you in a chair are you going to step on glass <laughs> I, I don't know why all jewish things you just like mishmash like a whole bunch of okay um the thing that we are doing which i am very excited about and i think you will be too actually um <gasps> We're doing like a henna ceremony. <gasps> so I'm going to do bridal henna in like oh. traditional Indian bridal henna on my hands and like up to my wrists. And um, we're going to throw like a, it's essentially, it's like a little pre-party <laughs> where people come and they just like drop by and can get their henna done. <gasps> and traditionally it's been like restricted to women, but I'm like, fuck that. Anybody that wants to, I'm my wedding, 100% man, woman, that. child is welcome to come and get their henna done. So I think I'm most looking forward to that. It's I'm like 7,000% doing that. Yeah. So yeah. So that really sounds excited. so amazing. Oh my God. Assuming I'm invited. I'm not going to assume. <laughs> you are. Joe. No, no, I'm not going to be one of those people. No, no, you are absolutely. Okay. Cause invited. if I wasn't, I'd be really angry. It's all I was going to say, I was like, <laughs> we should take like a fun picture and then post it on our Twitter. So that our fans can I'm most excited for to getting to wear traditional Indian clothing yes. because if there's yes. one thing I don't want to wear at a wedding, it's a suit because yeah. suits suck. But they Indian they're, clothes they're are super boring. They're, they're looser. But, they're yeah. They're they're more just. There's flowy. so much more choice. Like oh there's so God. much like selection out there. Do I have to go? Where do where where does one procure these? Thank you for asking. Um, <laughs> our wedding website will actually have links to like multiple oh places God. if folks want to get uh, Indian clothing instead of regular or. Normal now, clothing. Norm, normal clothing. Normal clothing. Um, now, are there? Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Are there traditional colors? Like, is red an important color in Indian weddings? So, the bride and groom traditionally wear red and gold. Gotcha. So, we will put a disclaimer to try to stay away from that, that because it's wear, kind of like wearing white to yeah. uh, an American wedding. I will so, wear gold yeah. and red. <laughs> gold and red. There gold you go. Yeah, switch Just it flip it on. It's it's totally different. Now, are there other colors that people should avoid, or people should like, or is it kind of just to taste? Um, people should try to avoid. Um, oh, well, actually, they should at all costs avoid white. <laughs> right, that's because that's for funerals? Yes. So, okay. yes, in Indian culture, we wear it to funerals. So they absolutely should not wear white also to Indian weddings. Um, but other than that, it's a free-for-all. Go nuts. <laughs> I'm fucking pumped. That's, that's like, I'm so excited. Yes! Um, well, that's so exciting. And then, of course, secondarily most important to this is your upcoming one slash six shot. Oh, has, no, it's gonna, it's gonna range. And I don't know how long <laughs> anything is gonna take. And I like it, play it out in my head. And then uh-huh. I'm like, in my head, it only took like 20 minutes to do this whole thing. But I feel like by the time I get everyone's initiatives written down, like 10 minutes will have passed. 100%. Because <laughs> I'll, I'll be like, I'm forgetting a range of numbers, aren't I? And then you're gonna be like, you never asked 20 to 15, because I'm 17. What is wrong with you? <laughs> Oh God, you're so ridiculous. We are going to be, no, it's, I'm so, so you're, it's still in, it's still in the planning phases. Yes. I'm keeping, I listen, I'm like the annoying teacher who's going to prod and poke yeah. because I want to see my budding young pupil Do blossom. It. I just mix a lot of metaphors there and I don't yeah. care, but <laughs> I'm a student. I'm a flower. I'm a pupae. <laughs> Oh my. I'm a bug. You're a bug. You're, you're just a little sassy little bug. Okay. Can I just bitch about one thing before we yes. get rolling? We have the wonderful, fabulous Elizabeth is joining us. Love her. She now she guested in a session of our yawning portal, which is how you mm-hmm. met her. But I have been playing with Elizabeth in Phil's campaign for a while now. And then she was so wonderful that I invited her to join my the, the third campaign I'm running my little <laughs> uh, post-apocalyptic cyberpunk steampunk mm-hmm. game. Um, and she is one of the three players in that game that I have. Um, and uh, so she's going to be joining us. She's 
wonderful. But before that, I have to just bitch about something. <sighs> block parties. Block parties? Block parties. There is currently at this, this moment. So not where I thought this was going. I know. <laughs> I just because I've there was a there was a block party mm-hmm. on my block. And yes, I could have easily parked my car on the side of the road somewhere else, and I didn't because I was playing Wait. D&D at 9:30. You have a driveway. Okay, but I wanted to leave. Okay. So I've been stuck in my house because mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to go socialize with people and their their children. Absolutely not. Out of the question. <laughs> that could like, of, approach you? Completely out of the question. Yeah. I covered, I pulled down all the blinds and I had dim lighting and I just sat in my house because I did not want anyone to come to me. Do people like knock on your door and they're like, hey, come out of the block party. Thankfully, not this time, but there was a time in history when that did happen. And I almost punched some little kids running across my lawn. (laughs) So luckily that didn't happen this time. Oh my God, you were literally the guy that's like at his door being like, get off my lawn. When it, just when it comes to straight people, mm-hmm. I don't want to come to your straight block party. Mm-hmm. I don't want to come to where you're all like sitting around, literally just like getting wasted, wearing Crocs, and then talking about like boobs and 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 straight <laughs> things, football, football, and <sighs> boobs and uh, housework, and I don't know. Like housework. I don't, I don't know. Really I don't want to. <laughs> this is sorry, straight people. This is how stubborn I stubborn grout stains. <laughs> Manual cleaning ovens. <laughs> Very straight, heterosexual. Straight people talk. <laughs> um, oh, do we want to briefly talk about? We, we had an intense few sessions of our Geiger game recently. Oh God, we're all gonna die. No, you're not. Maybe not. Maybe one or two. Not maybe all. one of us. I've already died and been brought back to life, which means it's, I'm even harder to bring back to life. You are. And I don't even know if we have any diamonds left. <laughs> I honestly don't know. And I don't. Maybe in my tiara. So Tyler's character, Draxel, died. And then you all brought him back. Mm-hmm. And it was very Through, touching. Like, great sacrifice of my own of character, yours. which you. which was actually a really beautifully played out scene, I have to say. And I think we'll all, save all it for credit. our. You want to say Well, it. we'll save it for our emotion <gasps> talk later. But oh. yeah. Perfect yeah. idea. Well, let's just say yes. you're currently in a in you, you're you're in your homeland castle of Kanga, mm-hmm. um, and found out brought that the gang back. Brought to the my gang. House, oh to yeah, my hey crib. guys, come on over. Hey guys, It'll be so much fun. Crib. Yeah, it'd be so great. You know, uh, why am I Minnesotan? Well, you're Canadian, so you're close enough. And um, you uh, uh, you discovered that it was had been taken over by a beholder and four mind flayers. And four mind flayers. Who I'm, all I, have we ever even fought one? No, never. No. Who all uh, seem to be taking on the role of people in the in, court. In royal court. And and seem to be like wanting to like understand like humanoid society. Yeah. And it's been a very jarring um mm-hmm. Lovecraftian uh experience they have my brother under their brain control which is like gut-wrenching because i think a lot of my character's driving force has been kind of like partial regret about leaving her siblings behind in the middle of the war and partial like desire to make sure that they're all kind of safe and accounted for Mm, they kind of twisted the knife on that a little bit the last session yeah 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 Oh, excited. Yeah. So this is I'm I'm actually really excited for our chamber chat today because all of this is like, all like right. right on the money for it. So well, let's get into it. Yeah, let's go. Let's go all grab right. Elizabeth let's go. and let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Oye, oye, oye. The Honorable Chief Justices Joe and Anna and Associate Justice Elizabeth of the Supreme Court of D&D. All persons having business before this court are admonished to draw near, give their attention, and long live the king. Please return all those things your people stole. For the court is now sitting. I feel like I should have read that. That was definitely a... 
a very personal jab. <laughs> I, was, I was like, uh, yeah, they, they, I mean, hey, okay, well, we're, that's okay. We're here. Hey, Elizabeth, how are you? Hey, what's up? I'm great. How are you guys? Oh, we're doing just fabulous. Well. Yeah. So, Elizabeth, um, we initially met you because you joined in our Yawning Portal game that Clint DMs for us. Yes. And then from there, uh, uh, now we're both players in Phil's amazing campaign. We just had a game today, earlier today. Ooh. And then I stole you for my my third campaign. <laughs> and now you're a, you're a little player in my campaign. So yeah. Everyone so just how how many are you playing in now or DMing? Oh, I am playing in, I gotta think through it. I think four, possibly mm. four or five. I've got um, another Strixhaven game and then um, another homebrew just online that I'm in. So it just like they keep accumulating, you know, <laughs> it's like bobby pins. You just find them everywhere. And then suddenly you have a whole bunch. <laughs> but when you need a game, you can't find them. one to be found. <laughs> exactly. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. Thank you so much for joining us. So how, okay, give us the, give us the skivvy. Now you have an interesting story on how you got into D&D that I recently I learned. Yeah, I have to give all credit to my sister, Catherine. She first introduced me to Critical Role um, and it took a while because mostly it was just her ranting to me about everything that's been happening on the show. <laughs> and then I was like, I broke down and figured I should finally watch it. So I did. And then I ended up um, auditioning for the this musical group where they did like Dear Evan Hansen rewritten for Critical Role. And then through there, one of them was like, oh, hey, I'm going to run a game. And since I'd never actually played a game before, I feel like it was appropriate to sign up for that. And then um, kind of Clint reached out this year because we got to law school together and was like, hey, we need another person for our game. And I was like, sign me up. <laughs> and, and then they just, and then I kept getting pulled in, which was great. I was really glad to actually find more games to play because I felt a little behind the curve <laughs> on that one. I love that your intro to D&D was that you were in a D&D musical first. Yeah. About yeah. a D&D <laughs> like, show. Wait, wait a then... <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Wait. I hadn't actually played a full game at that point. I was just kind of an imposter. And I was like, oh, I should gain the skills to know what's actually happening. Welcome to my life with imposter syndrome, where I started a podcast where I play a justice with all knowing knowledge of D&D after like six months of playing D&D. Um, no, you've played now for like two years, yeah, a little more. Now. Than you. Sure, so yeah. At the time, you're right. At the time, at the time I was like, nine sure. Months. You know what, Anna, you tell me a rule says something, I'll totally believe you. Yeah. Can I, can I just say though, like when Elizabeth joined our game i was like we are vibing so hard right oh now. yeah like yeah. we vibed so good i want to come back so bad you guys Do have it. to like get in trouble and then yes. call me in well that we might be it's like up here because we are in big trouble right now yeah and, oh okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah we might clint, i'm somebody. i'm ready to go i tell clint like <laughs> call me up like the avengers man hey i i mean that could be a thing. Like we have like a stone that we could use a set number of times and just, you just teleport into Ooh, us and you just love that. kill things. Um, <laughs> I love it. Uh, well, Elizabeth, we've asked you yes. here. Yes. For very serious business. Are you ready? I'm, I'm so ready. I have my sweatshirt and my tea. Can't be your robes on. Yes. <laughs> the illusion. Oh, that's right. We yeah. need wig too. Are we? Yeah, like, obviously. Yeah. We your, we'll give yeah, you a second. Get your wig on. Yeah, get, get your, your wig on. There, there you go. It is. There you go. Oh, so well coiffed. Yeah. So beautifully coiffed. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The court will hear two cases today. The first of which is in Ray Leaman's tiny hut. Can you pitch Leaman's tiny hut inside a building that is smaller than the hut? Mm. Elizabeth, what say you? Well, I looked this up like 15 minutes ago what the spell was. So Didn't we all? Hopefully yeah. I will remember what the parameters are. I think you can. So do you want us to uh, read it? I think you have to designate the building as like something that can pass through it because it says people and objects. So if you oh. designate it, the hut will just sort of grow through the walls. 
And I, then I like this approach. Okay, shall we read this? It says a 10 foot yes. Limasani hut. It's a third level um, evocation spell, um, a 10 foot radius, a, a 10 foot radius immobile dome of force. That's a mouthful. Springs into existence around and above you and remains stationary for the duration. The spell ends if you leave the area. Uh, and then it talks a little bit about the number of creatures that can fit inside of it. But then key to what you're saying says creatures and objects within the dome when you cast this spell, can move free, freely, for, can move through it freely. All other creatures and objects are barred from passing through it. It also has the effect of um, uh, spells can't extend through the barrier of the dome. You can change the atmosphere and the lighting and all that jazz. So your your position is that um, uh, if you were to cast this in a space smaller than essentially a twenty foot diameter space, um, you would have to designate the, the the building or wall or whatever as as able to pass through the dome mm -hmm. yeah because it's like an m it's you know just a wall of force so there's not mm -hmm. a physical structure so my guess and understanding is it would just kind of grow through the walls the and the ceiling yeah 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 yeah. What so I, I had a very similar approach to this. I didn't even think about designating the walls or ceiling. I was like, <laughs> is, is force defined anywhere in the player's handbook? Like the term force, because to me, that just means like magic force field, Right. And, yeah. And I mean is, like magical energy. That's all squiggly. Like that's yeah. the lines of that are very squiggly. And so I was like, I don't see why not. I don't see why you can't just build a it's not a physical structure, right? Like, as you said, I had the same thought process. I was like, it's a dome of force, not mm -hmm. a dome dome. So, and if creatures and objects can move through it freely, it doesn't specify that it like creates a door. It just means I can walk <laughs> in and out of the walls, right? Like, and so if I can, why can't a wall? Hey, I mean, there you go. So I had a very similar, when I first started using the spell, I had a very similar interpretation and always kind of used it that way. But upon further looking at the spell, um, I don't think it changes, well, I don't think it changes the outcome uh, um, for casting it. I, th I think you can still cast it in a space that's smaller than the full diameter of like what the dome would fit. But I do think that how it works would be a little different. So um, I'm looking at um, someone responded on uh, RPG uh, Stack Exchange because this question was asked. So thank you, uh, Darth pseudonym for this response. Um, uh, so on page 204 of the player's handbook, it says a spell's effect expands in straight lines from the point of origin, which for this, this spell would essentially be you. Um, if no unblocked straight line extends from the point of origin to a location within the area of effect of a spell, that location is not included in the spell's area. So I think taking uh, so so i read that in conjunction with the language from Liam's tiny hut which says creatures and objects within the dome when you cast a spell move through it freely but in dnd &D, i think that structures or buildings are categorically separate from objects i think you have you have creatures you have objects and then you have structures because there are special okay. abilities that do like special damage to structures so it has to be like a building and i think a structure is further defined as like something that this is bringing back like property law it's a fixture uh like it's like <laughs> something that like can't move damn so chattels did chattels they, oh god the worst <laughs> which are just cows for anyone who's who's curious um uh so i would actually say that that reading these two things together, the dome, if it, if you, if it butted up against a wall would just sort of like suction to that wall and would go down it and not extend through it. However, I don't know that that really changes anything about what, you know, like, I think it would have the same practical effect that you both said it, it would still, you'd still be able to cast it. It would still function as the dome. It would still protect you. It just wouldn't extend like magically through that wall. See, I so, feel like that does change the functionality of it because I would like a dome around a hut that's smaller than the dome so that I can step outside and look through its like transparent walls mm. without, yeah. 
So you in in your in in your vision, you have a very small house. You have yeah. an outhouse. It's a it's a tiny home. It's a tiny home <laughs> and very tiny home. <laughs> Le- and, yeah. Liam well, is tiny, tiny, tiny home portable home is on wheels. Or it's like a caravan type situation. So then, is it a structure, or is it an object? Mm. If it can be moved, a vehicle, right. Like an well, RV or a camper. Like, can I cast it around my Honda Civic? Like, what happens then? Well, I think that's so. There you go. That's a great question. And I think what I would still say is that for the, uh, I, I would rely on that line from the player's handbook about um, it not having a clear line of sight through the object. I think if an object is fully within the area of the dome, um, like the spell sort of says, like within the dome. Um, but if it's sort of half in and half out, I think the dorm accommodates to fit the space. But I think even in that circumstance, I mean, if you think about it though, like in, in like, let's say you do have like a 10 foot by 10 foot little tiny outhouse that for, <laughs> for I guess it's a large outhouse, but your whole party is sleeping in an outhouse for some reason. Luxury. Um, but let's say there was a door um, or windows, like that would be an open space that you'd have a line of sight to. So the mm-hmm. dome would extend through that theoretically and like suction to the window and pop out and complete the dome on the other side. Um, but I think if you're, if you're thinking like practically speaking in like a stone, like a fully, right. a fully blocked 10 foot by 10 foot stone room, the dome would just suction to the 10 foot by 10 foot space and would not actually ex- expand like beyond that. But again, wouldn't have a, wouldn't have a, like a practical effect. I don't think. Like if you're in a stone cave or something that's smaller than right. the dome, but it, it, it can't like go into the stone beyond it. Right. That, that makes sense. All right. Okay. I mean, for the practical purpose, at least you can I'm, still cast it and yeah, then have that, some that's, sort of That would protection. be my biggest worry. So right. yeah, I think we're all on the same page. At least you can cast it. Exactly. And I think <laughs> yeah. like there are some spells, like there's like call lightning, for example, where if the spell area can't fit, like if you try and cast it in a room that's smaller than the, I think 120 foot diameter mm-hmm. of the spell, it the spell fails. And this does not say that. So that would lead me to believe that if it was meant to be like that restrictive, it would say that instead, I just think, yeah, like, unfortunately, like it wouldn't expand beyond the reach of like a solid object, but it doesn't really need to, because why are you going beyond that solid object anyway? And if, if there so is look a look outside, well, but if there's a window or something that does lead outside, then it would, then it would expand through it. So by your definition, then what happens when I cast it inside of a tiny home and then open the door? Like, does it like boop, bounce out? I think that, w- that is a very DM specific. That's like a very DM discretion ruling, because I think that like, once the spell is cast, it's cast. You'd have to like recast it with the door open. Or like, what if I knock down a wall? Well, but why would you knock down the wall within the eight hours that the spell's <laughs> Because I'm trying to renovate the tiny home within those eight hours. But, and you want to Get do it, it very, very safely. Yes. <laughs> we don't have hard hats in here. We have the tiny hut. I mean. <laughs> We've got the tiny hut. Exactly. Listen, DM discretion, do your thing, chicken wing. But, you know, I, I think, I, I don't think the magical energy is like, is like sawing a stone wall. Like, obviously not cutting it in half, but like piercing a stone wall when very few spells can really do something like go like through that. solid objects like yeah. that so sorry to be the party pooper ladies but <laughs> uh, i think we like right. actually all kind of agreed yeah we just got there through different pathways <laughs> yeah so um in the case of liam and tiny hut in ray liam and sunny hut how do we how do we rule does that de- I, I think I would say it can go, it can fit inside a space smaller than the spell for, for whatever it's worth. I would hold that. So that would be that holding. I would say maybe if we disagree on this point in dicta, we have conflicting opinions mm-hmm. that it would not extend beyond the, the, uh, yeah, the, the area of the wall. What about you guys? Yeah. I mean, for the question that's being presented to the court, just the question presented here, <laughs> can you pitch it? My answer is yes. Yeah, you can. It's a very narrow holding. <laughs> yeah, it's a very narrow, <laughs> very narrow pitching of a hut. No, I would agree. I would join my my support to that majority opinion. Mm-hmm. All right, we're all in agreement. And then look, there's a little dicta in there. 
You gotta, you gotta pitch a hut with a little. Dick. Everybody loves a little dick, yeah. I'm so in a sorry. tiny I'm hut. So sorry, Elizabeth just took a drink of tea, and I'm. We were it. waiting. I was like, oh, yeah. honestly, the fact get that, that you coffee made it like what fifteen spit minutes. It out. <laughs> All right, order of the court. Um, uh, gavel, gavel, gavel. Case is uh, case ruled in favor of Liam and Sunny Hut. All right. Case number two, light source versus invisibility. If you are holding a light source and then you go invisible, does the light from the light source also go invisible? Mm. Now this did come up in a game of mine. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And where Phil's character actually, I believe, uh, uh, cast light on on an object his familiar was carrying and then his familiar as a bonus action can go invisible um he's a pact of the uh pact of the chain warlock so his little pseudo dragon went invisible and the question arose is is the light that's emitted from that object um also invisible so at the table um uh, this question came up and in the moment i said for now i'll say yes but I reserve the right to change my answer. Mm-hmm. Um, so why don't, should we start with reading? Sure, and, and I have it up. And awesome. so invisibility says, a creature you touch becomes invisible until the spell ends. Anything the target is wearing or carrying is invisible as long as it is on the target's person. And so, and then it goes on to say that it ends if you attack or cast a spell. Hmm. So perhaps we'll start with our guest associate judge here. Yes, Justice yeah. Elizabeth. I I mean that's that's definitely a tricky one because the source of the light is not actually disappearing. It's just becoming the, the torch itself in, disappears. Well, it becomes right. invisible. It, it doesn't disappear. It just becomes yeah, invisible. it's not gone. It's right. just the the light is bent, right. I guess, to make it invisible. So, I mean, if we're in t- imagining the spell of invisibility as affecting for example like light waves to make someone invisible <laughs> then i might say yes yeah, physics. that makes sense yes <laughs> <laughs> that the light would also be invisible yeah if it's bending the light to make the objects or the person invisible to the naked eye then that is i could see that being a way to get there it can if the invisible just, person see it Probably not because can they see any objects that they have? I don't know. I don't think they would be able to. Can the invisible person see themselves? I would imagine not, right? No, I don't think they can. I think I think you become fully invisible. It dispel doesn't say you can see yourself. So you're under the invisible, like the condition is you're invisible, which means you can't actually perceive. Well, you can perceive, but you can't actually see yourself. But that's a great question. So yeah, you wouldn't even be able to see the light. So then why do you have the light at all? Exactly. Oh, Anna. Okay. So Justice Anna, tell me about your position on this. See, I had a, I think I reached the same conclusion without being smart enough to think about it in terms of (laughs) physics. Because I was like, if torch go invisible, light go invisible. (laughs) I mean, that is magic. So that totally makes sense. All right. Doesn't matter in D&D. I would argue that the light source also goes invisible. Like I was talking to Andrew about this actually. And he was like, does your like shield or your sword still like reflect sunlight? And I was like, no, because there's nothing to reflect off of it. Right. So then I'm like, if the torch itself is invisible or the lantern is invisible, then there's nothing emitting from it. Well, but is there, I guess that's the question. I mean, the, the, if that were true, then, then it would just be that, holding a torch and going invisible would mean like you said even the person holding it couldn't see the light the light yeah. would just be imperceivable to to anyone. everybody yeah to i everyone. agree and there would be no purpose in and that's why i think only people with dark vision should go invisible because otherwise you're just shit out of right i know <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah so i i fully agree i mean i guess that, that's really interesting honestly like that makes me rethink a little bit my thought so i the way i thought about it is that light is its own substance i mean thinking about it from like a a like physics science perspective which i know nothing about physics so this should go great um like when you're carrying the the, the source of light the source of the light 
um, is an object that you're carrying that is affected by the invisibility spell. But light itself is a physical thing that exists in the world, but you're not carrying light. You can't, you're not holding the light in your hand. So if, if you're holding a torch though, that is on fire at the end, does the fire itself go invisible? Because light is created by like the reflection of those things creating a light. I think so if it is invisible, well, I see. I don't know. I don't know enough about how light works. Yeah. How, how just trust me. Works. I'm, I'm right. This. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> the fire spectrum of lightness. Um, so, so I think where I fall on this is maybe like an, like an, an, if a, then B, but if not a, then not B. So, uh, I think like, I mean, that's probably not the right syllogism that I use. So it's fine. Logic is not important to law. Um, so <laughs> I think I would say off the if, <laughs> if we agree that like, if we all agree in this universe that like when a source of light goes invisible, it becomes imperceivable to anyone, then I would say sure. Because at least in, in terms of game mechanics, that would mean you as the person holding the light would not benefit from seeing the light. And I think that mm -hmm. that would be fair. Um, so I would say either that happens um, or I would say, no, it doesn't go invisible because the source, like the spell specifically says only the object you are touching or carrying goes invisible. And that if we want to get, if we want to like sort of be lame and look into the physics of it, light is, light is technically a, an object. I mean, it's a, it's a perceivable thing that has protons and neutrons and electrons and all that good stuff and it's it's like it's a physical are, are thing are we sure that like light and dark has different protons and electrons and neutrons yeah anna that's i mean darkness is just the absence of those things i think <laughs> oh god oh no Lawyer, fuck we we're, we're, we're really not. just pulling things out of our ass we need to get an expert witness <laughs> <laughs> where's bill nye when you need them oh no um Okay, so I'm I cannot wait for somebody to <laughs> smart on Twitter to be like, okay, gang. <laughs> well, here's let me I, fucking explain how light works. To you. I looked, I looked at like all the all the like responses on Reddit and stuff, and no one's really responded to this Love question it. with any authority. Like, it's kind of like, yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, my understanding of invisibility is that it, it is all about Elizabeth that you sort of said, like bending light essentially. So like if you actually physically could make something invisible, in, invisible, invisible, uh, invisible, it would like be bending light. But I think this is just like magic. Right. So it's sort of just like the thing just becomes invisible. Um, I, I don't know that the physics necessarily even really matter. It's mm -hmm. if the object you're holding emits the light, then then the light would still exist. But I would be willing to concede so long as the rest of the court was in agreement that if, if the person, if it does go invisible, then that means the person who's wielding it also can't see it. Right. All yeah, right. I think you have to have one or the other. Mm -hmm. You can't split the hairs and mm -hmm. have that person be able to use the light effectively when nobody else can see it. All I right. agree. <laughs> I, I agree too. I think we're all in agreement. So hey. I, I'm gonna you know what I'm gonna go for it. Um it does the light does go invisible, but it goes invisible to everyone. Agreed. And then you have to cast the invisibility on yourself to see the light. <laughs> <laughs> wow, but but then you immediately stop being invisible because you cast you cast on you. <laughs> someone else casts the invisibility on you. Yeah. But then you can't see it still. They can see it. <laughs> And that is how they use you as their source of light. <laughs> I, this is insane. I love this. I love this it so much. Honestly, though, I can see that happening. <laughs> okay. Well, um, so say the court. Oh, wow. Get this wig off my Joe, head, Joe, did man. you end up changing your decision in your game or did you stick with it? Um, I stuck with it for that session because it hadn't come up again beyond that. But now I'm going to hold with this. I'm going to say, sure. Yeah, mm -hmm. you can absolutely, your torch can absolutely go invisible. And that means you can no longer see in the dark because you don't have dark vision. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, Love it. Brilliant. Well, I think it's time to chat in the chamber. I don't mm -hmm. know about you guys. Chamber chat. Chamber, chamber chat. chat. 
cats be doing what cats be cat i don't know what i think that's, that's the spider-man that great theme from spider-man yeah. spider-man i was wait it's a really short story i went to a performing arts camp where like the original band that uh came that, that wrote that song came to perform it and the guy started singing and he goes spider-man Sp <clears throat> and then for like a full minute just started coughing and choking and, and just like couldn't sing and the band just kept going and it was really funny <laughs> Joe went to theater camp, but I love it. I, I listen. I went to the same theater camp that Mariah Carey and Natalie Portman went to. Thank you. Wow. And I'm just as famous. <laughs> One day, this pod's going to blow up. <laughs> yep. Just call me Natalie. Okay. All right. Are we? We're, we're in ready. chamber chat now. Chamber chat. We're in chamber chat. So, Elizabeth, listeners, this is where we. We sit back and we just, we shoot the shit. We make fun of litigants and we, we discuss a, an, an interesting question that, that arises. So on today's chamber chat, the topic is getting into the emotions of your character, or if you're a DM, your NPCs, how do you do it effectively? And when is it appropriate uh, or fitting to lose yourself in those emotions, if ever? This is a big one. And I feel like I'm, I have the perfect people here because both of you today, I had this amazing, my character had this amazing moment with Elizabeth's character. And then Anna, I, as the DM have a ton of amazing moments with your character in mm -hmm. my campaign. So yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts on, on this? And I know you have thoughts. I do. But I'll, I'll let our guests go first. Oh, that's so generous of you. <laughs> or I can too, if you're... <laughs> no, I, I can go. I can, okay. I can kick us off. Um, I mean, I think it there isn't really a right answer or one way to get there for every single person. Um, I don't know. I guess for me, it's just kind of thinking through the why my character is in that situation and just trying to kind of break down the motivations of what they're trying to say. And then that naturally flows into the emotions that they might be feeling. Um, there's definitely moments where I'm surprised by my own emotions coming oh, out yes. of a scene. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, oh gosh, mm -hmm. I, I'm actually like upset or <laughs> like yeah. scared. Yeah. Like this is a, yeah. like we're being attacked or someone's betraying us. And all of a sudden <laughs> I'm just like, oh no, I can't. I can't do this. I can't, I can't. <laughs> Too much. I mean, and I think it comes down to like trusting the people at the table too, because it's easier to get lost in your emotions when you feel comfortable doing that with someone else, like who's in the scene with you. And when it's, you know, a new table, then you, maybe you're just kind of like more of a tech technical or clinical no, I don't know if that's the right word. <laughs> You're a doctor. <laughs> you become a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, it's kind of a weird process. Yeah. No, I think that's, I think that's a great point. Is that of course you need to be comfortable with mm -hmm. like the people you're playing with because how can you make yourself get that vulnerable um, around strangers yeah. and like you really can't. I mean, I would. I don't know that I'd be comfortable even. But no. Yeah. Anna, what do you think? So I think your question was really like three questions, right? So if you're getting into the emotions, is it appropriate to lose yourself in emotions? If so, when, and how do you do it effectively Look without taking away from just from restructuring itself, my you know? shitty questions? <laughs> no, no. I think, I think you asked the exact right three questions because if the first question is, no, it's not appropriate to lose yourself in the emotions, then why are you playing? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I know that we've had this discussion many times where there are people that come to the table with the idea of like fighting battles all the time. And that's what they get enjoyment out of in sure. this game. Yeah. Um, that I have found overwhelmingly so not the group I play with. And I play with multiple groups, right? Mm -hmm. Like I have played with a variety of people those those folks that I have played with d don't come to the table just for <laughs> just for battles, even in the one shots, even in the like 
we're not going to get super committed to this. I'm ready to like say goodbye to this character at the end of the night. Even then there is emotion attached to the character that they've built. There's engagement with other characters. And I think every time you have engagement with another character at your table, you are being vulnerable and you're kind, you're showing an emotion because you don't do character to character interaction without some emotion there. Mm-hmm. It's because you, you're literally making it up right? and you you're can't acting, make up yeah. a conversation without some emotion, some emoting. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't imagine playing in a game where it wouldn't be appropriate to sure. emote. Sure. And when is it appropriate? I think that is, as Elizabeth said, it's kind of like a balance that you have to strike. It's like, you can't do it all the time because then just like go be in a play. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just go be in a play. It's fine. Right. And it's, that's cool too. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think that's an important point. Cause I think it's like, like we were just talking in the intro about how, you know, uh, one of our players, or did I, did I bring this up in the intro when Joe, uh, uh, when Draxel died and uh, uh, we were all doing this because in my games, you have to do this resurrection ritual, similar to a critical role. And mm-hmm. everyone gets an opportunity to put, to put in, to, to assist in some way. And I remember Joe at our table, just like getting choked up um, uh, doing that ritual. And that made me as the DM, like completely like empathize yeah. with his emotion. And, and it was so powerful, but that was when one of one of the players at the table died, like fully yeah. died. So, so to have that, to bring that level, like every session or every interaction would be exhausting. Yes. Uh-huh. Right. So tiring. And that was a really exhausting session in like the best way though, right? Sure. Because I actually walked out of that and there have been maybe three or four in Guider 2 where I have walked away like physically exhausted because mm-hmm. I was... It was so emotional. It was like, so turn it up to 11, like the entire time. Mm-hmm. And those are phenomenal, right? Like, but you can't do that every time. So when you're asking yourself, how do you do this effectively? When is this appropriate? It's that like in real life, I'm not, to be fair, I am kind of at a 10 all the time, but like, <laughs> but normal people are not at like a 10 of emotion all of the time. Right. There's like ebbs and flows. Normal people. Normal people. <laughs> that's just so just like uh in real life where you have ebbs and flows and you have these like you know really exciting things that happen really happy things that happen really devastating things that happen Mm -hmm. and then you express it as it is happening to you that's how I see playing D&D and that was such a great example Joe of when uh Tyler's character like was dead dead (laughs) and we genuinely like we were failing some of the roles. So we yes. didn't know if we were going to be bringing him back or not. And yep. Joe oh, had literally turned to him and said, like, get thinking about your new character, like what you're going to do. Brutal. And I, and like Tyler's crying and I'm <laughs> crying and like everybody else is like tearing up at the table and I'm like oh my selling God. my soul to this, like. <laughs> well, you did. I mean, like, that's yeah. another, that's another layer. So like Anna, you play a Hexblade warlock and a paladin and your patron is the Raven queen. And you had already made this pact. Like the reason you made this pact narratively was because you are now husband um, in the game. Sorry, Andrew, you're now husband. <laughs> um, she doesn't know about him. <laughs> was right. Yeah. Was killed and you offered your service to her in order to, in that moment, save him when you knew you wouldn't yeah. be able to otherwise, because he had been fully decapitated. Yeah. And, um, and you brought him back to life and then pledged yourself. And in this moment where you had no one who could cast Revivify at, at the time, it was really interesting because Tyler's character was the only one that could cast Revivify. You had one minute to basically get this person revivified or stable or something saved or something yeah and and you had this like moment and and what's funny is that you forced me to then like think on my feet and i'm like well i can't just bring this character back from the dead that would be so cheap right um so what ended up happening is that you made this like like a 24 persuasion check or something yeah um in 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 and your character basically like a sl- further pledged herself in her entirety to the Raven Queen in this moment to save Draxel's life. And it was so beautiful. And I knew narratively I had to honor that. So what ended up happening is that basically she cast gentle repose on Draxel, which gave you more time to cast Revivify essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and uh and eventually through that long arduous resurrection ritual which one of you did fail a role in that um, it was me it was you yeah <laughs> it was me. i rolled a 24 on persuasion and then like oh, a two like, in medicine so. yeah um uh like he was still brought back but it was not a sure thing and um i think everyone at the table was so just invested in that moment but it yeah. really sort of brings to like to mind like and i remember like there are times like elizabeth in in our game where like my character isa has gotten like like not violent so to speak well i mean violent but but has yelled yeah like right and like and like gotten emotional on the, on the opposite end of the spectrum not being sentimental but being angry and yelling mm -hmm. at other characters and it's like how do you guys handle that like when your character is so angry that like they can't contain themselves and then you are like tossing that emotion at a, your friend but obviously you know your 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 method acting essentially you're getting into mm -hmm. the emotion of it and you're you're letting yourself exude that emotion um do you have the same considerations when it's like that opposite end of the of the emotional spectrum i i think yeah definitely i have you know some considerations of how is it how far is too far? And then I, I think probably I end up holding myself back a little bit in those kinds of situations. Cause I'm just like, I don't know, but help, it's helpful to check in after too, just to like, make sure, you know, change the temp temperature of the, of the scene a little bit, like outside of the game and making sure, you know, everybody's kind of on the same page, but that's, that's a hard one. And I, I kind of play characters a little bit that maybe try to have more of a steady temperament in that respect. Um, cause I haven't gotten quite to that level yet. <laughs> we'll see if anything happens later <laughs> in our game. Uh, but no, that's a tough one. Cause, and I remember when people are in their characters and I'm like the receiving character of that. Right, right. And it's hard to kind of separate like you know, I know this is the scene and I want to get into the scene and it's hard to like manage just the instinctual emotion, yeah. I guess, and channel that into kind of a thoughtful response or emotion, but no, that's tough. Yeah. Have, have either of you played characters that are like significant variation from your own personalities to the point where you kind of struggle to figure out how they would be emoting. Because the two characters that I have played long-term are actually pretty similar <laughs> to me. <laughs> you know, they're like, they're like, there's a, there's a funny version of me and a serious version of me. And that's literally the two characters I play. Right. So, and I, obviously I've played one shots where I play like <laughs> uh, you know, an 800 year old man. And that's just for funsies, but those are brief stints and I don't really have to think too much about it where I'm just kind of there, like have fun for a few hours and get in and get out. But have mm. you guys ever played like longer term characters where you kind of actively have to think like, how would this person react to this? Like, how would this person emote in this situation? Oh, that's a good one. I have, I mean, it's funny because you guys have seen most of my characters. Um, uh, so like right now, it's funny. So I'm playing Adora, who is just she, she, Adora from She-Ra, from the, from the remake of She-Ra. Um, <laughs> I'm playing her in place of Umbra, who's taking a little break from our Yawning Portal campaign. And Adora is like very sort of like upbeat. She's a paladin. She's like, she's lawful good. She's you know, she's, uh, she's very much like, I will do the right thing. And I think that instinct is not me at all. To me, it's like, <laughs> I always do the wrong thing. No, but it's like, I, I'm more of a neutral good. Like I'm, I don't always like, like do, you know, the quote unquote lawful thing necessarily. And so to think in that, like, like one of our characters, uh, uh, Tae Young is a necromancy wizard and she, uh, Phil's character and like my character is like like sworn against the undead so having to balance like how I feel about that as her through the lens of Adora is way different than like how Umbra would feel about that who would just mm -hmm. not care um, and then like transitioning to like thinking back Anna to when I played Inky who's my like sort of like carefree wizard cleric um, you know he is so wide-eyed and um open to so many things whereas i think like me joe is i'm not necessarily as like as like 
naive as he is. So having to think and react in the moment as like a super naive person who hasn't really had like the, the, you know, something in either something in his life has made him this way, or he hasn't had something in his life to remove that naivety. Then um, I do find myself having to go through like that lens of how would he look at this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What about you, I, Elizabeth? I, so I haven't played her long, but Allie from the character from the yawning portal, like she's a lot more a just way more confident than I would ever be. <laughs> and isn't that funny ruthless. though? Like how how much fun it can be to play something yeah. that's like way more confident so than you are in life. Like, I'm like, I can yeah. totally do this. And I, inside, I'm just thinking like, oh god, oh god. <laughs> but yeah, she's like a lot more ruthless than I think I would typically try to build a character towards for example when we were I was doing the gambling scene mm-hmm. and that and like the guy was taken off to be killed and she was just like yeah whatever yeah and, nice round yo yeah and, yeah, and yeah. I just was like oh this is bad but she's not gonna care <laughs> and and then I have another character Kess she's an Eric Cochran ranger um who like was just lost her memory tumbled out of the plane of air and was just, you know, raised in this backwater farm and has just no understanding <laughs> of the world and like the trusting aspect, like, you know, knowing game mechanics and like, this guy is shady, but she's not going to know that. And it's hard to kind of play off the like, oh, I'm just going to trust you and you're going to be fine. And it's all going to be good knowing like I'm opening myself up for <laughs> Right. something bad to happen. potential harm right right yeah right. and yeah. that that is actually super hard to do especially in a game because you know that that could lead to harm to your friends like your, mm-hmm. your, your friends characters mm-hmm. so you don't want to be responsible for something bad happening to someone else but you want to stay true to your character yeah. and it's like yeah i always try and i mean I, I have said this many times that like all of my characters are just different aspects of my personality yeah. taken to an extreme, an extreme degree basically mm-hmm. um and so i maybe i find it easier to sort of get myself into that that space but um i've also like i, I don't know i think about this a lot like as a dm i try and control my emotions more because i feel like i need to be the neutral arbiter i need to be the one who is you know it's sort of like seeing your parents cry like you don't want to see your parents cry so like if the dm is losing it it's like okay <laughs> like i don't want to this is uncomfortable or, or or something like i don't i don't want to make them upset um so i always like and maybe that's not a consideration everyone has but like i always want to make sure that i'm like i'm there for my players even when they're having these vulnerable moments because i think the most beautiful and wonderful thing about dnd is the fact that i can make you know, a grown adult straight man cry over a fictional character's death. Yeah. And that's beautiful, right? They're, they're like, it's, it's as if you were watching a movie or reading a book or have, or watching a play, like having some other truly emotional cathartic experience. And I can make that happen with you. Well, I mean, I say, I, I mean, we can make that happen as a group at a table in a game is just like mind blowing to me. No, I mean, you create that environment and then you find good players that are willing to be vulnerable like that and engage. And that's just perfection. I mean, and I do appreciate like kind of going back a little bit to the beginning of the conversation with finding the times to have those emotional moments. Like it definitely is a lot easier when the DM is kind of allowing for those ebbs and flows of combat versus like, like today, Oh, Hey, you're on a ship for a couple hours. Do you guys want to do anything? Like just knowing that you have the time and the space Mm -hmm. within the realm of the game to go into that and not be like constantly. And now you're doing this and now you're doing this and now you're doing this and now you're fighting this. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah. I think that definitely helps a lot. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Oh. All right. Wow. Such a good discussion. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to cry. This is so fun, guys. I'm getting a little emotional. <laughs> well, Elizabeth, what a joy. What a pleasure. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This was so fun. Of course. Well, so we'll have glad. to have you back again. Please. I'd love it. I assume. Do you have any socials you want to plug or are you? Uh, socials i guess well my twitter is uh at rainy day writer but i don't really have anything specific that i 
Mm-hmm. that I promote on there. <laughs> Go to YouTube and look for the Critical Role musical that she yeah, was Yeah, that's right. I should have said that one. It's been like three years now, so I kind of like forgot that, you know, that was part of it. What was it called for anyone who's interested? Um, uh, Dodie Take This Down. Mm, oh. By the that. Cantata Pansophical. And I uh, played uh, the werebear. Yes. Um, I forget her name. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I can't remember her name right now either. Uh, Noelle <laughs> Stevenson's character. Yep, yep. So I, I make a brief appearance and then I'm in the chorus as well. But it's it's actually, it's a everybody does such a really great job on that one. It's really quite impressive. And so yeah, check that well, out. Well, next time you'll have to sing for us. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> next, and the, next, the next topic, singing in character. Anna. <laughs> the bards. I do love it. I do. <laughs> you have to be a real singer to play a bard. Uh, no hope not please no (laughs) all right well um you know you all know where you can find us at raw and order dnd and please email us your questions thank you so much for listening everybody see you next time bye thanks Do you ever like pretend to be your your Google Maps? Oh, I, recalculating, recalculating. I'll be I'll, I'll like be driving to work and I don't use Google Maps. Obviously, <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore, gang. I figured out the way. But like, we just did this today in the car. Actually, like Andrew and I were like, in a quarter mile, take <laughs> exit seven B four Kia Sakwa Way. <laughs> My favorite is when it goes Kyo Sakwawe. Kyo Sakwawe. <laughs> no, wait, the, this, the, the kwa is like, it's a Kyo Sakwawe. Kwawe. Kwawe. And it's like, what is happening right now?